you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Parry Corkin, good morning to good you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How ha- are you? I'm great. How are you today? Good. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's been a great week. Hasn't it just? Hasn't it been lovely? Yeah. Lovely now, really. Uh, and that, and, and the solar eclipse uh, to to top it all off. Did you, yesterday. Did you get a glimpse of it? Um, not much. No, no. I, I was I'm, I'm, I was bringing my mother for a, a medical appointment yesterday morning, and it just happened to be we needed to be on you the road. You missed the opportunity. The but I was saying earlier, you know, when we were driving by, I noticed people were outside their workplaces and they were trying to do it. Um, I think one of the advisories was that you know you could try and do a selfie. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so oh, you yeah, weren't going to damage yeah. your eyes. Yes. Um, so a lot of people were out with their phones yesterday, trying to, uh, yeah, trying but to it capture it. Fantastic. On, on on television, I mean, yeah, it looked really, really well. So it's, I suppose it's the signal of springtime, isn't it? Well, it most of, certainly is. Officially, yeah. spring is here, and and certainly the week has been great. But it also, I, you know, I was just thinking about it this morning. The we've ha- haven't had. Uh, really significant growth yet. We read the spring that really spring like warm weather hasn't hit yet. I mean, the nights have been quite cool and growth has been relatively slow. I noticed that all right, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, I was just thinking about that and just trying to think back to when, when was it the last time that we had a really spring warm, you know, where you'd be out in the t shirt type of thing. And it's, it's been a little bit chilly. And, and that's a good thing in one sense because plants aren't coming into growth too early because the spring was relatively mild. And one of the concerns, certainly from the grower's point of view, I was talking to them back in January and February that things were going to be too early, but but it, things have slowed down again. And in, for a certain for certain things like the pruning of plants, mm-hmm. uh, where people maybe haven't cut back their apple trees or pear trees or their rose bushes or their hydrangeas or their shrubs that we were talking about last week, because we haven't had significant growth, you can still go out and actually prune plants back. Hedges haven't come into growth yet. Again, when I was coming up this morning, I was just looking at lots of hedges that actually need trimming now. So things like the pruning back of laurel, of uh, Portuguese laurel, of beech, could be done at this time of year. The pruning back of rose bushes and fruit trees and any kind of general pruning that you need to do because the growth hasn't escalated right. forward. Yeah. You can still do that. And this weekend, with the dry weekend, I'd, I'd advocate that. And if you are pruning plants back, it is the time to feed plants as well. So hedges should be trimmed back, your rose bushes, your fruit trees, and that general pruning and tidying up can, can still be done. Also, things like uh, putting on the winter wash, which is the treatment that we put on on roses and fruit trees to stop the bugs from you, know, you once you prune them back if you treat the area with something like the winter wash it cleans the stems of bugs and pests it also cleans the soil of bugs and pests you're starting off with a great clean uh, plant material for the, for the rest of the season it's also great, though, at, at this time of year, again, because the growth is slow, for planting. And, and I mentioned last week the planting of bare root plants in particular. So if you are considering putting in a few trees mm. or putting in a beech hedge or some uh, laurel hedging or whatever, again, soil conditions are actually ideal because they've dried up. The frost at night time has helped to dry up the soil, which is great. So the planting conditions are superb. And yes, the plants are still dormant. So by getting them in now, they'll have enough time to initiate roots. And, and you know, for when, when we get that warm weather in April, so, in one sense, the fact that the spring hasn't uh, been too early is actually quite, quite a good, good thing, thing for getting those jobs done, and particularly with the dry weather that we've had. Also, the planting of vegetable plants, so things like uh, peas, broad beans, cabbage plants, cauliflower plants, Brussels 
sprout plants and the broccoli plants they're all available for planting now and the weather conditions are ideal because all of those are frost hardy Mm. you can put them straight out into the garden soil and the soil is so workable at the moment that it's a great time to plant them and also I mentioned last week the planting of potatoes really it it starts around St. Patrick's weekend but it can continue for the next two to three weeks and again if 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 you feel active this weekend with the dry weather because there is rain promised later on next week yeah. yeah we're back to a more unsettled week so they're this type of jobs that I would be focusing on really kind of getting the pruning done get the winter wash done um, get the planting of vegetables and potatoes, get those into the soil, onion set, shallots, garlic, all of those should be put into the soil now if you can over the, over this coming week, this weekend ideally. Um, but also things like if you, if you do need to do any spraying, so for example, we had quite a lot of questions in around um, moss and tarmacadam and paving slabs and so on. If you need to do any, the spraying of, of um, to control moss using something like the pack which um, eliminates moss within a couple of days if you apply it in dry weather. So a day like today or tomorrow will be absolutely ideal for that and, and controlling mosses. And, and general weeds, they're beginning to start now and I mentioned this last week. So they're the type of jobs I would be getting on top of certainly this weekend before the weather breaks on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. The, the planting of vegetables, as I mentioned, also the planting of fruit trees. So putting in things like blueberry plants should be planted at this time of year. Apple trees can still go in. Pear trees, rhubarb, we mentioned last week Mm. strawberry plants if you want strawberries for this summer very much the planting up of those plants should occur now in window boxes or in raised beds or containers or out in the garden soil for strawberries for blueberries again plant about five or six plants into the garden soil um, and again they'll come into growth if they're strong plants you'll even get some fruit this year but also apples pears plums cherries anything in the fruiting family this is the time of year to get them into the soil so if you're thinking of having a few fruit trees maybe for later on in the summer Really, I would use the the soil conditions are perfect and then the cool temperatures are ideal for planting. And it really just gives you that opportunity for the plants to settle in, to start rooting into the soil before they come under the growth, the growth stress yeah. yeah so so I would really use um, this time this weekend in particular for those type of tidying up spraying jobs and um, lawn care so if you haven't mowed your lawn I see there's a couple of questions in people yeah. asking should they mow the lawn with the frost at night time and the answer is yes yeah. don't you know I, I cut the grass three weeks ago um, cut it again last weekend It'll get probably another cutting this weekend if, if things continue. So don't worry about the frost at night time. It really is only a surface frost. It's not a penetrating frost. It's not going to do any severe damage to things like, you know, the pruning back of plants or cutting lawns. Mm. Um, so get out there with the dry weather and get your lawns trimmed by all means. Rem- make sure you remove the first clippings, put those on the compost heap and get on then the, the Osmo mm-hmm. moss remover to get rid of because there's lots of moss around at the moment. And you'll find with the Osmo, you won't get the blackening that happens with sulphur of iron. So get that on now. It'll kill the moss within about 21 days, 25 days. Uh, but more importantly, it'll feed up the lawn. It'll give it a lovely green colour and it will, um, once it kills the moss, there's no need to rake the dead moss. It'll literally it just disintegrate back into the soil. But but more importantly, it'll actually feed the lawn. It'll give it a lovely green colour. So in terms of kind of cutting the grass, feeding the lawns, they're the sort of jobs I would do this weekend, just getting ready before the weather breaks. Like, yes. and, and all the better if we get a bit of rain, just to wash in the fertilisers. And again, the general feeding of plants. So if you need to give your uh, shrubs a bit of a boost or your hedge a bit of a boost or you want to boost on that rhubarb that's beginning to grow now at the moment, get on the, the fertilisers, the um, shore grower, the colour boost fertilisers now because again the rain uh, 
early next week will help to wash that in. So they're the sort of jobs. We were asked last week too about basket plants and planting up hanging yes. baskets and the plants have actually just come in. Excellent. So if people want to start early, mm. um, if you've got a tunnel or a greenhouse or somewhere really sheltered and sunny, you could start planting up your hanging baskets and window boxes. It's hard to think, isn't it? We're still only in March. I know, we're but talk- well, no, we're nearly in April though. We are, yeah. that's true. And so if you want to get kind of a head start, then things like the trailing petunias, the white bacopa, the verbenas, all those trailing basket plants, they're ready for planting up now. And particularly if you've got your fortune to have a greenhouse or a tunnel or a conservatory, somewhere sheltered and warm, that's the ideal thing. Yeah. Get them planted up now, get them started, hang them up there. They're perfectly fine in a greenhouse. They're actually quite frost hardy, a lot of the basket plants. And um, there's very few of them that are very sensitive to frost. So a greenhouse situation or a tunnel situation is perfect for them. And you're just getting that early start. So they're the sort of things I would be doing uh, in the garden. And, and in particular, just taking advantage of the dry weather and the soil conditions being so dry and workable mm, at the moment mm. um, and being able to get out on the lawn and get it trimmed and get it fed um, rather than waiting for another couple of weeks. Okay, so don't be like me thinking about it. Just go and get well, it go, done. Go and get it done, yeah. And again, with the extra day length, you know, it's it's bright now up to seven o'clock. So people are getting that extra opportunity to get out into the garden. And I think it's next weekend we have the clocks changing. Spring forward, fall back. Fall yeah. back, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm pretty sure it's next So less next time Saturday in the night. bed and more time in the garden. Is, Is the, that yes, it? There you go. Is that it? <laughs> So they're the sort of things, Deirdre, that I, I would encourage people. Um, I was asked as well just to, to mention, I think, the um, got a great response, actually, to the um, to the tomato plant I, I talked about um, and the sweet aperitif. I nearly forgot the name there myself for a minute. <laughs> you were looking at me to remember. <laughs> so sweet aperitif. We got a great response to that. It's a new variety of tomato that came out uh, last year. Uh, I grew it last year for the first time. It produced about three to four, maybe 500 fruit per plant. Small cherry-sized tomato. Fantastic flavour from them. But they're available again for if you've got a greenhouse tunnel, a warm yeah. windowsill and you want to start a few tomato plants, they're all available for planting this time of year. Now remember, they are frost sensitive. So yeah, do protect them. Yeah, and, and probably better to keep them in indoors but you could certainly start them them off now so they're the sort of jobs cottage garden plants you yes. know things like lupins mm. delphiniums um the lavateri the mallow plant all those cottage gardeny type plants that flower every year this is the time of year to get them into the into the soil so if you want that kind of cottage gardeny look then this is the time to get those plants. They, again, are all frost hardy. They flower every year. Many of them will actually start to come into flower in early summer, in May and June. So it's a good time to get them into the soil now, get them planted, and they're, they're actually actively growing at the moment. Great, and you'd have that nice little bit of summer colour in, yeah, in the earlier part. Particularly if you want something for cutting mm. later on in the summer. Sweet pea, they could go into the garden soil at the moment. Again, they're frost hardy. You can plant them out of doors. They're about eight or nine inches high now in the garden centres and put them up against a bit of trellis or a few bamboo canes and they'll just scramble up that and come into flower in late June, early July. But now is the time to get them into the soil. Keep an eye on the slugs as well because they are going to be knocking about. Yeah. Um, So, you know, if you are putting down tender plants, vegetable plants in particular, you know, put down some protective measure, either the organic slug pellets or some of the slug liquid just to protect the plants for the in these first coming weeks because it's really at this stage they're very vulnerable as they get a bit mature and stronger they'll be they'll be fine but and there's nothing more frustrating than to go out to see things completely chomped, chomped up. And, and, yeah. and yeah and, and yeah I mean it can happen overnight particularly when the plants are quite small 
Okay, so we will take a break. We have lots of questions, Porik, actually, that were coming in from about 20 to 8 this morning. Um, So um, I think it's going to be busy in terms of listeners' questions. If people do have something that you'd like us to address on the programme today, well, please make contact with us as quickly as possible. Text number, with thanks to CNC Cellular, is 087 900 41 41. Teresa is busy taking calls as well this morning. 0818 3055 if you want to contact us that way. Or you can email Email in any time at all to the programme garden at midwestradio.ie Now you're very welcome back. Loads of questions, Porik. So we're going to dive straight in. And a question on hedging, first of all. So, um... Can you grow Escalonia from a slip? This listener has planted a beach hedge three years ago, very slow to take off, so they've put some slips of Escalonia to fill in between. Now, they've cut the tops of the beach in hope that it'll fill out from the roots. Is there anything else they can do with it? Well, remember that what you're going to end up there is a very mixed hedge between Escalonia and beach, and the Escalonia will actually be more vigorous and and tend to dominate the hedge. So. You know, in, in five or six years' time, you're going to end up with a hedge that's predominantly Escalonia with some beach through it. I would have I would have preferred to put in um, additional plants. Often when you're planting beach, it is slow growing, so that's something to remember. But that's a good thing long term because it, it tends to be very easy to maintain and control. Mm. But often you're better to plant a double planting of beach to give you two, two, two lines of beach uh, staggered planted. So where you've got two planted, put one in between, but more forward. And that helps to fill up the hedge a lot quicker um, because be- a beach is better as a, as a single type of hedge beach on its own so um, to be honest yes you can grow Escalonia through it but you're going to end up with a very mixed hedge right. and it's going to be predominantly Escalonia because it will be more dominant and it will suppress the beach over time so to be honest in preference I would have put additional beach younger beach uh, yeah. hedging in now at this time of year to help fill up the gaps yeah. and end up with an overall 100% uh, green leaf beach or, or copper leafed beach rather than having a mixture of Escalonia and beach. Now there's nothing to say that you, you can do do it if you wish but you will end up with predominantly Escalonia it, as the... It'll, p- it'll just have the potential to take over. It will. It, yeah. Well it will because it's a far more vigorous yeah. hedge uh, and it will be more dominant. Um, Unless we get really hard frost. Well, that's true. That's the other <laughs> side, which it could be knocked back again. But in preference, I would actually add additional beach in and end up with a 100% beach hedge. I think it will look nicer. Right. And this is the time of year. Beach won't come into leaf for another three to four weeks. So you've plenty of time to plant young beach in. And beach is one of those ones that you see the double hedging, uh, you know, the way people sow it, kind of, they, they Stagger do plant it. Yeah, that's the yeah. right way to plant yeah. it, rather than a single line, because as a single line, it can be a little bit bare, because remember that the leaves wither, but they stay on the beach through the winter period. So if you've got a double planting, it, it tends to be a lot denser, fuller, and you get more privacy from your hedge. And long-term beach makes a fantastic hedge. I mean, yeah. it really does. It'll I- grow six, seven feet in height. Uh, it'll grow a metre wide if you let it. And it you only could, have to cut it about once a year. Well, once a year, that's exactly what you do. And, and it has this lovely seasonality to it where it changes colour. The young leaves come out in April um, and then they wither in November, but they stay on the tree through the winter period. So I think it gives a lovely, particularly in rural gardens, I think it looks very, very well. And it needs very little maintenance once it's established. I know it... You know, yeah, you have patience, to wait, yeah. but 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 it you know, whereas Escalonia, Escalonia is the opposite. It's fast growing, it's evergreen. It tends to need a lot more trimming and cutting and maintaining. Um, so you know, it's really 
decide really what you want long term I think yeah. is, is really the answer to it Now advice on growing roses please this okay. listener would love to have a full show of roses in flower for the end of June read if possible Right well that's is that, actually, is that possible? Yes it is and that's one of the great things about roses that if you plant them now in March okay. they will flower this summer uh, they're so vigorous they're fo- so fast growing um, a very good variety and probably one of the best red varieties is a variety called Trumpeter it's a real old McGreevy rose um, it probably is nearly 100 years old at this stage but I like it because it only grows about two and a half feet in height it's a floribundum rose which means it has beautiful bunches of flowers right through the whole summer repeats flowering from June right through to November often the thing with trumpeter is that the flowers are so heavy they bend the stems there's such a weight of bloom at the top of the end of the stem and the foliage on trumpeter is quite nice it's a reddish greenish colour it's also a very good disease resistant variety so it's a real old variety that has stood the test of time it'll grow I call it more a bedding rose because it'll only grow to about two and a half feet when you plant it on mass 10 or 12 or 15 plants together it looks superb and it's a lovely bright colour red so it's not a dark blood red it's a really bright nearly bordering on a kind of an orangish reddish colour so it's a really good variety trumpeter plant that you know maybe a dozen plants together if you plant them now they'll be in flower for June and they'll flower through to November Um, all roses really should be fed now is the time to, to encourage them on. So even newly planted roses will benefit from a handful of fertiliser and do give them the the rose clear or one of the rose rescue early. You know, when we come into about the middle of April when mm. they're in leaf, start your, your spraying programme then and keep them clean. And they give tremendous value when you think about it. They're in flower from June right through till Christmas Just, yeah. often. So they're tremendous colour. And that's a particularly nice variety. It doesn't get too big, looks really well. Very nice when it's planted en masse, literally 12 or 15 plants together. If you wanted just a little bit of contrast, you could add in a variety called Carisei, which is a bright yellow. And it contrasts very, very nicely with the red of Trumpeter. And the two plants, the two varieties grow the same height and they flower exactly the same time. So Carisei and Trumpeter together look really well. Or, or trumpeter on its own is really nice. Okay, so if you're looking for a bit of a spectacle. Yeah, the other thing you could do if you're doing a bed of roses is to put in a couple of standard roses, which by that we mean they're tall, mm. they've been grafted onto a tall stem, so they stand about four or five feet high and they flower at that height, and then you can underplant those with the trumpeter rose. So you end up with, with flowers at two different levels. Trumpeter flowering at two and a half feet and then the standard roses, maybe Carisei as a standard, mm. flowering at four to five feet. So you get this kind of double layer effect in the one bed and that looks really well as well. So, you know, maybe two or three standard roses and a dozen then of the trumpet around the base with and that'll fill the bed and give you tremendous colour. And do, what about roses in pots? Do roses do re- okay in pots? They do. Like, it's like any plant in a mm. pot, dear. I mean, if you give it enough nutrition and water and you look after it, they, right. they'll grow quite happily. Now, long term, they're not the best. You know, a rose will generally last between 15 and 20 years. So after maybe the third or fourth year, it's getting a bit tired in the yeah. pot and needs to be moved on. Like any plant, you know, ultimately they're going to to grow, fill the pot and start to look a bit sorry for themselves. And roses are hungry. So, they, you know, you're pruning them so severe in, yeah. in the winter. They have to grow nearly two and a half feet before they flower. So they need 
they're better in the soil. Okay. Let's put it that way. But they will grow in tubs if you wish, if you just want to splash your colour. Yeah. Um, you know, you could go for some of the patio roses, the less vigorous roses. Okay. Um, now, a couple of questions on shrubs and I suppose generally about coming <clears throat> back at yeah. this time of the year, Porik. Um, I know you kind of touched on it there when we started off. The fact that it is still cold at night, you know that we are talking again it's about no a harm. bit of frost at the minute. So people are a little concerned um, and there's a few questions regarding is it okay to cut back the shrubs even though we have yes, that it is. frost? Yes, it's no problem yeah. whatsoever. I mean, by cutting them back now, they're not really going to kick into growth for another two weeks or three weeks. The pruning actually helps to stimulate growth. So when we cut plants back, it actually triggers the plant to come into growth. But it's still going to take it two weeks before there's any significant growth on the plants. And then you're into the middle of April. Um, So I would be, I would use the weather. It's great pruning weather. It really is. So get out there and start trimming back. You know, and make sure that you're I won't go into it today, but did, did, you know how to you know there are make sure that you're pruning back plants that are not going to be coming into flower in the next couple of weeks. So don't right. be cutting back your your red flowering uh, um, red currant or your forsythiae, any of the spring flowering plants you prune after flowering. But things like the summer flowering hydrangeas, roses, hypericums, mallows, lavaterias, they all should get a, a haircut now. Okay. Now, my garden and house are at present being attacked by thousands, attacked, attacked, very strong (laughs) words here, by thousands of Portuguese millipedes. Is it getting progressive? It's progressing progressively worse each year. Sorry, any solutions, says Peter? Uh, Portuguese (coughs) millipedes. Yeah, well, it's not the Portuguese millipede because he is he is um, native to Portugal and also to to uh, is actually a pesto in Australia, but not to Ireland. Not to Ireland. We haven't seen him in Ireland just yet. But there is the black millipede, the regular one, the regular guy. And you'll know him because he's black. Uh, the, the call, they also call him the white-legged snake millipede because he's un, if you turn him under over, you've got these lovely, or these white, thousands of white little legs okay. on the bottom. So he's white on, underneath, very black on top, shiny. When you knock it off, off the wall, he curls. He, he curls up. So it's very distinctive. <coughs> what, why they're coming on the wall is interesting. They're, they feed on algae. So they feed on uh, algaes and lichens in your normal garden soil. So the type of moss and lichen that we see in our lawns, that's what the millipede feeds on. But there's also an algae that grows on the walls, particularly pebble dash walls. You'll often see this red algae, this red staining on the wall. And the millipedes are actually coming up to feed on that at night time. Mm. So they actually come up onto the house walls, A, for the heat, the heat of the, the wall and the attraction of the light, but also they're feeding off the algae that grows naturally on your pebble dash wall. So would you be kind of saying really <coughs> that there is a bit of a symbiotic relationship there and not to be, you know, that they're doing exactly. a good job in their own exactly. way? Exactly. They're, yeah. they're not a pest really. They, they, if they're in your greenhouse and they might eat a few seedlings or whatever, but they tend to live on dead matter, lichens, um, uh, lichens kind of algae type growth is what they feed on. Um, so they're like earthworms. They, they, they live predominantly on 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 dying matter and decaying right. matter and the part of, part of the eco-cycle. Now, I know when they're invade, invading okay, your house, it's a different, know, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so, so that's so, so they're, you know, so what do I say? If you want to get rid of them, wash the w- you could wash them down, you could sweep them off the wall. It, it tends to be at this time of year we see the problem with millipedes and then it just dissipates once we get into midsummer because the algae is drying up on the house wall. So, you know, it's drying off, so there's, mm. there's no reason for them to come back onto the walls. So by June and July, you, it tends not to be a problem. We always get the question at this time of year. We do. Now, if they're coming into the house, you can use a, uh, something like Protective C, which is a powder or a spray that you can put on the, on the floor of the house. And when they come onto it, it kills them off. But to be honest, they don't do any harm as such. Yeah. They're not doing any harm. They're actually feeding on the algae that's growing on your house. 
that you're normally spraying with okay. something else to kill. So, <clears throat> unless it's really bothering Absolutely, you. Absolutely, leave yeah. them alone, In to be honest. Weeks, be. You know, they're like wood lice, they're like um, any of those... Uh, Invertebrates that yeah. that that feed on lichens and and algaes and and decaying matter. Okay, um, we wouldn't see them as a garden pest, to be honest. Yeah, it's. I suppose it's just the unsightliness of them. Yeah, but. Close, just, close your eyes. It's at night time. And okay, when they're coming into the house, it's, it's possibly a different And matter. is it only at night time that they come out? Yes. Normally about right. an hour after sunset. And by sunrise, they're, they're gone, gone again. Okay. You know, you might, during the day, you'll see an odd one. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was actually, there was some on my own garage wall during the week, was just looking at them, but there was only a few. But it's just, they're just, they're in every garden. And they're just there. And, and um, they're not going to do any damage. Okay, let's go back. Uh, is it okay to apply Rose Clear on roses now? They've uh, this this is listener uh, is in Ballina. They have daffodils as well planted uh, and in the area of the roses. And they're wondering also what is a winter wash uh, and where when do you put it on? And okay. this person's getting a lot of black spots. Sorry, there's about four all questions right. and okay. all of that. But well, let's break it down. Yeah. So look at the first thing you're doing with roses at the moment is pruning them back. Now, if you if you have them pruned back, um, just tidy up the bed. You can put on the winter. The idea of the winter wash is that it washes off any bugs, any pests, any larvae, any eggs off the stems of the plant and it cleans up the soil as well. So you're kind of sterilising the plant uh, and giving it the, its best start. Roses really aren't going to come into significant growth. The small bit of growth on er- varieties that have been pruned early, there might be an inch of growth. But, so it's a bit early for the rose clear yet. I would leave the rose clear to April about the first week of April and apply the rose clear then and apply it once a month after that. So really the main job at roses is to feed them, prune them, put on the winter wash and leave them alone for about the next two to three weeks mm-hmm. and then then apply your rose clear as you, you're getting soft, significant growth and that'll keep them 100% perfect. So generally you're feeding once a month and putting on the rose clear once a month Um you know, from any time, feed them now certainly, but from the first of April onwards, you can start using your rose clear. And is it okay for in that area around yes, the daffodils? Yeah, it is. You want to feed the daffodils? Lovely. Right, Camellia and Forest Flame in tubs. Uh, Carmel says they're looking sad, and she's wondering what will she give them. Okay, well, remember that both both camellias and the Forest Flame are ericaceous plants. They like lime-free soil. And going back to your question on the roses in the pots, yeah. I would guess that they might be a little bit tired, a little bit hungry in the pots they're in because camellias are a woodland plant. It's actually a great time to plant camellia plants at this time of year. They're just coming into flower. Um, but they're really a woodland plant and they're better, yes, you can grow them in pots, but long-term they're better out in the garden soil. Now, they do need a, a lime-free compost when planting, so you need to add ericaceous compost in. And you can get a specific fertiliser for camellias, rhododendrons, forest flame, all the ericaceous plants. Um, it's made by Grosure mm-hmm. and it's called ericaceous fertiliser. And simply, it comes in a liquid form or in a, in a pelleted form and you can simply sprinkle it around the top of the pot and let the rain wash it in or water it in or else mix it up in a washing can and water it in. So my advice really would be to move them on to a larger pot or else plant them out into the garden soil using lime-free compost in both instances and add some of that slow-release ericaceous food to the plants. Now if people have got camellias and forest flame in the garden at the moment, now is the time to feed them with the ericaceous feed because you'll help to bring out the blossom, you'll br- help to bring out the colour in the forest flame as well and just give it a bit of a tonic. And particularly evergreen plants, they've come through the winter, so naturally enough they're picking up any kind of marks and blemishes after the hailstones, the gold and so on. They're always going to look a little bit anemic at this time of year, so they'll benefit from a fertiliser. So make sure it's an ericaceous feed, grocer to a particularly good one. Um, a, con- a container of it will probably feed uh, maybe a dozen plants. 
So, you know, you, or, or you can use it repeatedly over the summer period because it's a good idea to continue to feed camellias um, right through the summer period. Okay, now here a listener would like to cover a small sloping ba- bank with low growing plants if possible. They'd like them to grow every year so they're wondering what should they plant, when and is there any special care that they need to take into account? Well, on a sloping bank you want ground covering plants and probably there's a great collection of plants called alpines which are, um, as the name suggests, they come from mountainous regions from from the Alps. Um, they're, they're hardy, frost hardy, they flower every year and they look great if you plant it on, on banks and slopes in clusters of threes or fives or sevens of the same variety. So I'm, I'm thinking of plants like Orbrisha, the lovely purple flowering Orbrisha, white arabus, phlox as a ground covering phlox, which is really nice, one called Daniel's Cushion, which is a fantastic pink colour. Um, nice foliage, nice pink flowers in April and May. Mm. It's a perennial. Uh, each plant will grow about a foot, maybe a foot and a half in diameter and give you a nice coverage. Helianthemum, the sun roses, is another really good plant, which again, it comes in a range of different colours, but it's, as the name suggests, it likes a sunny location. Um, small flowers, but they're produced en masse and they flower the whole summer long. Blue Campanula would be another great plant. It's just coming into flower at the moment and again will flower for most of the summer. So pop into your local garden centre, look for the alpine collection or the alpine range of plants they're predominantly ground covering um, put them in, in groups of threes or fives you could in time put some dwarf daffodils or dwarf bulbs through them like snowdrops or crocuses which would add an extra splash of colour on the bank mm. but what you're trying to achieve is is a full carpeting of the slope and bank so it's avoiding you have to weed the area um, but there's lots of other good ground covering plants like vincas that will cover the ground which is a plant that actually like a strawberry plant it roots as it's growing along the, it's called, the soil called it's called vinca or okay. periwinkle is the common name for okay. it and it comes in a whole range of different new varieties particularly ones with very variegated foliage nice bright variegated leaves um, but I think for in this instance if it's a sunny bank the alpines would give you fantastic colour and you can get varieties that flower now at this time of year but other that'll come into flower in, in the late spring, summer sort of period. So you're extending the colour. The other collection of plants you could consider are the spring flowering heathers, yeah. the ericas. And they will flower, they're in flower at the moment. Um, and they will flower again till early summer. Uh, but again, give you that ground covering effect. And the spring flowering heathers will grow in ordinary garden soil. You don't need a specific boggy natured soil. They'll actually grow on a bank and slope very, very well. So... I think first off I'd go with the Alpine collection I think they'd be very good and, and go for a mixture of spring and summer flowering plants or consider plants like the Vinca which is quite vigorous and spreads very quickly yeah. or you could go for something like the, the spring heathers and all of those again with the soil in the condition it's in at the moment can go straight sure. in if there are any weeds or, or bits of weeds starting obviously eliminate those first get rid of any growth that might be there have the bed nice and clean before you plant put in some compost when you're planting it put in some of the grow the slow release fertilizer as well and just get the plants in and they're frost hardy so they can be planted now at this time of year lovely okay we're going to take a quick break uh, we still have lots more to come though so stay with us uh, welcome back. Time ticking along. Let's go to one or two of the emails that has come in, Borg. Here's an interesting one from Kay regarding orchids. So she, Kate, like she'd appreciate advice on caring for the, her orchid. She, it was given to her for Mother's Day. Okay, Sadly, lovely. she's lost some over the years. Kay, I can empathise completely <laughs> with you on that one. And she's determined to mind this one. So okay. what is the well, advice? Well, first of all, the moth orchid is, is a very good choice because it's very easy to grow. It's the Phalaenopsis um, type of 
of, of orchid, one of the easier varieties. So it's in flower at the moment and really all it needs, a bright location, so a windowsill, um, it needs to be watered depending on the heat of the room and, and how bright the location is. <coughs> yeah. But de- definitely every 10 days, every two weeks sort of period, that, that kind of watering. So not, not every day, not yeah. every week, but around every 10 days to two weeks is sufficient. Um, once it goes out of flower in May, it, that's the time to start feeding it and building it up for next year. And you can get a specific orchid feed for orchids mm-hmm. and you put that on once a month during the summer period and generally orchids will require repotting every two years and there's a specific and special type of orchid compost to be used because they're epiphytes they grow in the jungles in branches of trees where there's lichen and moss their roots are very they're aerial they stay very close to the surface of the uh, stems and the branches and often when you buy them in the garden centres or in the florists you'll see them in a very spongy mm. type compost um, so the compost, so make sure that you don't use regular potting compost. Get yourself a proper orchid compost when repotting. And that's really it. They're, they're that simple to grow. They're, they are. They do need to be kept indoors, obviously, all year round. Mm. Um, and again, the watering during the summer, you'll start to increase as the temperatures go up. So during the summer period, you would be watering the phalaenopsis about once a week after that. But it, it, you tend to, they tend to do better on a little bit of neglect not too much too much washing too much feeding okay. sets them back right. whereas a little bit of you know if you forget to wash them for a week it's not going to be a disaster they're not going to collapse and that they tend to have that ability uh, to, to to you know last to hold out for that drink of water an extra couple of days or an extra week yeah. compared to other plants right. like gera- geraniums or, or peace leaves visibly they're, exactly yeah. they're just wilting in yeah. front of you the orchids tend so tend to ebb on the side of underwatering and slightly underfeeding and repotting only every two years using an orchid compost okay because it is yeah it's it's a lot less um i suppose rich or nutritious than, well, that's it. than it, what we call standard compost exactly in exactly yeah and it's specifically for for orchids lovely now what a lovely week we've had in the garden we says sure our have. listeners uh this listener plans to clean their patio with pack liquid should they use a sprayer or watering can and how much water to add well, with the pack mix, you'd use the, the dilution rate is 10 to 1. So for every litre of pack concentrate, you add 10 litres of water, which will make up 11 me- litres of mix. And that'll cover quite a big area. To be honest, the best way to apply it is through a sprayer. A watering can can be very wasteful. Yeah. You're putting it on too heavy. And a dry day. Now, make sure that the pack, the pack should only be used on hard surface areas. So tarmacadam, paving slabs, um, railings, timber decking, uh, you know, anything timber, hard surface or any concrete surface area, it's perfectly fine on. Make sure it doesn't get on your lawn because it'll kill the grass. So just watch it that it doesn't drift onto areas. So just apply it. I would use a, a spraying machine, a dry day, calm day like today would be ideal. It'll dry within an hour and it will kill the moss within three to four days, particularly this time of year. Lovely. Uh, what hedge or shrub grows well in a shade park? Well, I'll give you two. I've, I actually have, um, in my own garden, I have a plant called Cuba japonica, or the common name for it is called spotted laurel, which is like a common laurel. It's not related actually to it. But it's, a, it's a completely different plant, but the leaf is very similar to a laurel, but it's speckled. It's got the colour of a cheetah. Not a good way to describe it. Yeah, it is. So it's it's green. It's it's yellow. These lovely yellow dots through the leaves. It does very well in shade. Mm. It flowers and it fruits. It bears a berry in the autumn and makes a lovely hedge up to about four, maybe five feet. Or you can keep it lower if you want to trim it back. Right. So that's a really good plan. A cubic japonica or spotted laurel. You get that in your local garden centre. Another nice one is um, it's actually one of the cherry laurel family. It's a plant called Prunus 
Oiseloikan, and I'm and I don't think there's a common name for it. Oiseloikan, yeah, it's a low-growing laurel, so it only grows in height of about two and a half to three feet, but it spreads outwards. So it, it kind of carpets the ground, okay. and that's where I have it planted, used used to kind of cover the ground. Yeah, nearly nearly like a ground covering plant, but it, you have a bit of height with it. So it's low growing, but it spreads outwards. That's Prunus oiseloikan. It's um it produces candle like flowers in the summer, uh, very dark green foliage, needs very little trimming, a small bit of trimming, and if you space the plants about two feet apart, they'll knit together as kind of a low informal hedge. So either of those two, Prunus oiseloikan or um that spotted laurel, the Cuba, Japonica, either of those, terrific. Where I've them planted is on, literally under trees and they're doing extremely well. So and if anything, the colour actually stays better because the darkness tends to keep the colour, the, the colour actually nearly gets uh, the leaf, the, the, because of the, cl- the lack of light, and mm. the chlorophyll in the leaf gets a richer, darker so green colour. It's more intense. So the yellow spots of the spotted laurel contrast very well. Whereas if that plant was planted out into full light, yeah. the ordinary leaf would be more yellowish Okay. And the yellow dots wouldn't stand out as good. So it's actually a plant that suits shaded and loves areas. growing in a shaded area and does really well. So that's spotted laurel. That probably would be my preference. And you also get the flowers. You also get the berries. It produces a red berry then in the wintertime. And the plant is evergreen. It retains its foliage and it doesn't mind being trimmed back. So wow. That's your so plan that, for shade. That ticks a lot of boxes. That sure does. It does everything. Um, right. <clears throat> Masses of ivy roots, Porik. How do we get rid of them? They're all over Anne's garden. Well, is it ivy? Because it probably, it may be uh, convolvulus, the um, bindweed, which has, which grows like ivy. So it has this kind of, um, so generally ivy, if it's true ivy, hedrahelix or any of the common wild ivy, um, it's easy enough to kill. If it's growing on a support or on a, on a telegraph pole or up through a hedge, you literally just cut it at ground level, wait for it to re-sprout and hit it with a product called root out, which, um, which kills the actual uh, leaves and stems and will go back into the root and kill the ivy root. I'm guessing though it's probably bindweed which is convolvulus oh, right. and that's that's um, that's a perennial weed that's, that binds itself up through plants and spreads up through fences and hedges and it's very very vigorous so it's a completely different plant. It grows like ivy um, and it's got a white tuber-like root and if you cut it or dig it you're spreading the problem so it's a plant and it's a herbaceous so it dies back at the end of the year and then re-emerges in April so it's a plant that you really want to as it's beginning to grow when it's six or seven inches out of the ground hit it with the 360 weed killer use a little bit of washing up liquid in the mix apply it to the foliage and that will help to kill it and the 360 will go back into the root of bindweed and kill it from root level up so I'm guessing it's that uh, because particularly if it has spread through the garden. So really in April, you want to tackle the bindweed and really control it. If it's growing up through a hedge or through other plants, you can use the Roundup gel, which is the gel product that you can just paint onto the leaf of the convolvulus. And again, that'll bring it back to the root and kill it. So digging it and trying to lift it out of the ground mm. is nigh on impossible because every time you break the root, you're, you're literally propagating the plant. So you're better to use a treatment, uh, one of the uh, systemic weed killers like 360 or the Roundup gel to control it. Listener has red Duke of York potatoes Super. with inch green sprouts. Great. Are they okay to grow in the tunnel or would they be better off in the garden soil? Well, you could do both because red Duke of York is an early variety. It's it's one of the very first early varieties. So obviously the fact that you've got inch long shoots, you've had those sprouting for the past month. Um, so that's great. Now is the time to get them into the tunnel or in the garden soil. So to be honest, if you've got enough of them, I would split 
and, and put half them in the tunnel and half them outside and you're going to, they'll crop within about two to three weeks of one another. So having them in the tunnel will get you nearly a month's early crop. Um, so And they can be grown in pots, they can be grown in raised beds, in the tunnel or in the soil in the tunnel if you wish. Um, so get them, get them planted straight away and I would actually do a bit of both. If you plant them in the tunnel, you'll nearly be digging or eating them at the end of May, early June. In the garden soil, you'll dig them about the end of June, the first week of July. Right. So I would actually split them and or, um, divide the crop and have, yeah, some yeah. And that's the great thing about the tunnel. That would apply to any vegetables, cabbage or lettuce or anything that you want to get an early start. If you can put half it in, in the tunnel or in a greenhouse and half it outside, you're extending the cropping period. Yeah, so you'll be able to stagger your exactly, harvest really. Exactly, though. exactly. Can you suggest some tomato, I know we've you've touched on this already, um, some tomato varieties to grow in a large conservatory. What was the cherry type on last week's Well, that was program? Sweet Aperitif, which is a very, very nice one. But there, there were plenty of others. The Sun Baby I mentioned last week as well, which is more a yellowish, orangey yellowish um, uh, tomato, which is a really nice variety. If you want a nice big tomato, Shirley is a very good variety, very good fruiting variety. Um, Sweet 100 is another really good cherry variety. Or if you've just got a hanging basket or a window box, um, a variety called Tumbler is a very good one. It just literally tumbles out of the window. So it's ideal in a hanging basket or container and it'll just tumble out the edges. You've no pinching back of the shoots with that with tumbler variety. You just let it grow and it produces nice size fruits as well. There's lots of tomato varieties available now in the, in the garden centre. It's a good time to pot them up. And from tomatoes, we move to cabbages. Uh, last summer, you recommended a cabbage variety from seed that grew small, tight heads. It was excellent. Can you give us the name again, please? It's a variety called uh, Mini Coal which is, um, it's in the Thompson and Morgan range. If you sow it from seed now, you'll be cutting the first head in July. But the interesting point about that one is it does produce small football, small football size um, heads of Mm -hmm. cabbage, very solid, but they they, they, they don't run to seed. And they're ideal, say, if you have only one or two people eating cabbage in the house. You know, because um, not very, everybody loves cabbage. Well, no, and, and there's very little waste with them, but they don't run to seed, so they're perfect for growing in tunnels and greenhouses or out in the garden soil. But another great variety to have it early would be the variety I mentioned last week or the week before called Dutchy. Look for that variety. It produces very quickly in a tunnel or greenhouse. It'll produce nice heads of cabbage about eight or nine inches high in a cone shape, but you can also pick them as greens about the end of April, early May, and they're available in plants at the moment. So maybe plant some of each. Plant the Dutchy plants at this time of year for use in late April and May and plant some of the mini-cold seed at this time of year for use later on in the summer and into autumn, really winter. That that uh, particular variety will go right through till October, November. Okay, just one or two more before yep. we finish up. A listener has emptied their pots and added new compost. They'd like Great. to plant some flower colour for Easter. Bright, cheery flowers, what will we plant? All right, well, that's easy because there's so many plants have come into flower in the last couple of weeks. So what I would be putting in, you know, for a touch of Easter colour, you won't be things like the dwarf daffodils which you can buy in pots now just coming into flower there's a lovely red tulip called red riding hood that's got variegated foliage and lovely orange red flowers and that'll be flowering for easter they're lovely plants at the moment ranunculus is another great plant i mentioned it before it's got double heads of flowers very much like a camellia flower or a rose flower at this time of year and they're short they're only about seven or eight inches in height lovely colors oranges red yellows uh, reds really nice plant that's a plant called ranunculus even if you just fill the pot, mm. ranunculus, they would be absolutely stunning. Um, 
pansies are coming into bloom, the spring pansies, violas are coming into flower, all the primulas are beginning to flower at the moment. So it's actually a great time. Go into your local garden centre. So there's lots of spring colour at the moment. And, um, you know, look for something that's going to last as well. So the ranunculus and violas and pansies will be terrific. OK, uh, we've put the Osmo Lime out last week, last Saturday. Is it OK to put the moss remover on now? And how much will the one bag cover? A bag of Osmo moss remover will cover 200 square yards. Um, now, remember that it, it kills the moss, but it also feeds the lawn as well. So make sure it goes on to 200 square yards. Um, don't try to spread it over the entire lawn. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, they, they, normally the treatment. And again, if people want to get some details on the Osmo, go on to the website, horkins.ie. I've put some information up there. Just put in the word Osmo into the search bar and you'll get the details on it and how it works. Um, but yeah, a bag covers 200 square yards. Normally you put on a, a, an application of lime first and a week later you put on the Osmo moss remover and, and that, that uh, works away and, and, let, and let it do let its, it job, do its job I'm afraid we have to leave it there thank you very much indeed loads of advice and loads of I suppose reminders that people need to get out now and get good few jobs done before wet and, weather uh, if, again go on to the website horkins.ie if you click onto the blog page I have written a number of items that people can do over the weekend so have a look at the blog page horkins.ie there's plenty of things there to do to keep you busy. Okay, well, I'll go and I'll try and... Now, next weekend, I yep. should mention, in the garden centres, we have a lawn weekend. Not this weekend, the following Saturday and Sunday. So if people want some specific advice on lawns, come down. Mr Osmo will actually be there for the weekend, so he'll give you advice on lawn care in general. Okay, great. Have yourselves a very good weekend. Thanks indeed uh, for your company over the last three hours and to Porik for all his advice uh, for, since nine o'clock. Stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at ten which is on the way next with Angelina Nugent from me. A very good morning and have a great weekend.